0: Welcome to the New Books Network. Hello and welcome back to the New Books and Indian Religions podcast, a podcast channel here on the New Books Network. I'm your host, Dr. Raj Balkhar. and More importantly, I have the pleasure today of speaking with Dr. Afsar Muhammad of the University of Pennsylvania on a brand new publication called Remaking History, 1948 Police Action and the Muslims of Hyderabad afsar welcome to the podcast
1: thank you so much raj Uh, thank you so much for this uh, beautiful opportunity
0: so there are many ways into this conversation but let me uh let me naively ask you what's your book about what's the main topic
1: of your book (laughs) thank you thank you that's actually a good beginning i actually (laughs) i'm not sure uh, how to respond to this uh, question It sounds like simple, but uh, like so complicated as well. It's it's like so many things uh, uh, to share here. The book is basically about uh, 1948, uh, the long uh, 40s in the history of India. Uh, We always talk about uh, partition. We... Also talk more about uh, the disputes, uh, border disputes between India and Pakistan. Uh, It's actually, I I, I think uh, it's well discussed aspect uh, in many disciplines, history, literature, anthropology, gender studies. But one thing that we barely discuss is like how such things uh, uh, were happening beyond the borders so this is a story about Hyderabad Deccan uh, which was considered to be still is considered to be the heart of the country so that is one big reason why this is uh, has become such a complicated issue so in 1947, of course, we all know that is a big date in the history of India, and then got independence. uh, But Hyderabad, Deccan was under the Nizam, who was actually persistent about continuing his rule. And of course, uh, it's... uh, there is also an argument that there was the popular demand that uh, Nizam should continue as the ruler. Uh, but there are different viewpoints. I'm not getting into those different viewpoints, uh, but uh, the what happened basically, because this is at the center, like at the heart of the country, the union government of India was so particular about uh, integrating Hyderabad Deccan into the, the the Indian government. So that led to a controversy. And, the, and then Nizam was like not ready to accept any proposal because he was primarily... Uh, Uh, Focusing on like this idea of uh, Azad Hyderabad, independent Hyderabad. And finally, the Indian government uh, like used military action and then it was actually uh, in local uh, narratives is called Sainika Akramana means military invasion. So it's like popular imagination and popular narratives, they all speak about uh, this entire um, violence that happened between September 11th and 17th, like for five days, it's considered to be battle. And then even media reports, like both national and international, local, they call it battle, five days battle. But it's not just a battle between the government of India and uh, Nizam. That also led to the killing of some twenty-seven thousand to forty thousand Muslims. Uh this is according to Sundarlal Commission that was appointed by the government itself. Of course, uh the report was um classified. It was kept a secret doc- as a secret document. And then there were like more than 1, 100,000 like, people migrated to other parts of the world, including Pakistan, USA, and Europe. Uh, so the story basically is about those five days, like uh, that violence, trauma, and then how local community in hyderabad deccan uh, was impacted and then what kind of uh, discourses were taking place and then how different communities uh, hindus muslims christians were responding to this violence and then how the entire this uh, sense of community was broken so the book is basically about those five days, but also talks about the discourses that spread beyond those five days.
0: Regarding this uh, important story that you're telling, what are the sources you're drawing on for the story? And also mention, has this story been told before?
1: Very briefly, but uh, there is a lot of gap a uh, lot of gaps between uh, like uh, different versions of the story. So there is uh, official documentation. There is media documentation. Uh, there are like some works uh, like Umar uh, uh, Khalidi did an excellent job uh, in documenting this violence, uh, uh, and then. Uh, there is a study by Sunil Purshottam who actually uh, worked on this uh, Sundar Lal Commission's uh, report, and uh, but his focus uh, was mostly like a political dimension of the story. So in my work, I tried to look into like how this impacted ordinary community. So there, there are like different communities, political community. There are like activists uh, who were impacted by this. But I, I just want to talk about how this impacted an ordinary person, whether it is Hindu or Muslim or Christian. So the, the basic category concept in this work is like this ordinary uh, person, ordinary citizen. My sources... I basically challenged official documentation of this story. So I depended mostly on oral histories. I met uh, almost 100 uh, witnesses of this violence. When I met them, there were actually some 90 plus. And then also, I also actually basically juxtaposed These oral histories with uh, written documents, such as uh, literary narratives, autobiographical writings, personal essays, and memoirs, uh, published between 1947 and 1960s. Uh, So I I actually uh, tried to, it's, it's basically oral history project. Uh, but I actually gathered, like did a lot of archival work. Uh, I actually explored uh, private libraries from this region and then collected a lot of written material, including media reports. Uh, So there's a combination of both uh, oral and uh, written component.
0: How did you become interested in this topic of study
1: actually that goes back to my field research uh in the last yes <laughs> 2006 uh uh this book uh, about uh non-muslim narrativization of Muharram practices in uh, andhra and uh, telangana so uh, when i was uh, conducting field research I met one uh, Muslim folk performer. He actually was famous in Telangana for his Moharam, uh, Telugu and Urdu both. That's very important aspect here. So he was actually performing in both languages. So he was like, when I was talking about Moharam, because it's a very popular uh, ritual even now, but what he mentioned kind of intrigued me. Like he said, that entire tradition, the beautiful syncretic tradition of Hindus and Muslims almost came to an end because of this police action. So he, was, he started talking about uh, this uh, blood uh, bath and violence and trauma and all these sad things about 1948. And then uh, at that point, I, was, I wasn't I was serious about this because, you know, as a scholar, you focus these basically on that particular like uh, topic that you are interested more. And then I, I was mostly looking for like materials related to Muharram. And then uh, as I was... Uh, meeting other people like in Hyderabad and other parts of Deccan, I kind of heard so many stories about the police action. And that, that actually took me back to my own experience in 1998 when Lal Krishna Advani visited Hyderabad and gave a like speech on the 50th anniversary, they kind of started celebrating this uh, integration, police action as a, like another independence movement. So there was uh, Advani's uh, speech uh, became like a very controversial at that point. I, I was there. I witnessed that entire or uh, public speech and then also followed the debate and I, I started connecting all these things okay i have 2006 field research talking to these performers of muharram and then 1998 uh, adwani's speech about uh, police action so I, I was trying to understand uh, the political implications of this event so then i realized it is another kind of dimension of partition actually sunil pulshottam called it like a third front of partition so i actually of course i was actually interested in like uh partition literature um i i was actually like uh reading uh, urdu or writers, uh, Sadat Hasan Manto, Krishna Sobti, uh, Rajendra Singh Bedi, and also like some of the right uh, writers that focused on this partition from deccan But I, I was curious why not many people were talking about this in their writings, and then then I actually collected more uh, witness stories about police action. I met like for activists, fair farmers, uh, political leaders. Uh, but most importantly, I met those people who were like in their teenage when this entire violence was taking place. So particularly that particular age group between 16 to 25 age group of Muslims and Hindus they had extremely bitter experiences that impacted their whole life so when i was talking to these people in 2006 and then 2012 they were still like experiencing that trauma so i i was like like um i actually had no words to articulate that impact uh, and then I took it seriously and then uh, started exploring archives uh, and then oral histories. And then I also looked into the media reports uh, that kind of gave a totally different uh, picture. In a way, it's official kind of portrait of what was happening there. So they were just buying what the government was saying so that was like how i got into this like uh project and then it took me a lot of time raj actually is so sad that uh uh most of these witnesses they are no more so we lost them in covid of course there are also we also lost them due to natural causes uh but when i started uh Uh, Looking back into these uh, stories and then listening to their uh, audio, uh, kind of, it was like not easy for me to handle that kind of material. That kind of delayed my work.
0: Well, certainly, above and beyond the um, the mining of data, if you will, of information of research, this particular research is heavily emotionally charged, and therefore one can't help uh assuming one is in a sociopath one can't help but feel a great deal of uh, sympathy empathy pain trauma for for victims of this tumultuous time yeah. one wonders I mean, it occurred to me as you were speaking that in a, in a in a, in a way it's fortuitous that you that you're able to do this work in this moment of history while these remaining eyewitnesses are alive, and so, in a sense, you've memorialized their stories, and you've. I would suspect that it might even have been somewhat therapeutic, on some level, to have shared their stories with you. Would you say?
1: Yes, yes. Yeah, uh, in so many ways, it's like uh, very subjective. It's very personal for me. So I was being like, you know, I wanted to study these like. Uh, just as a scholar. And then uh, I, I, and that never kind of <laughs> happened uh, because I, I was always there in the present, in the like uh, narration. And then it's very, very personal. Like uh, it's not easy uh, being an insider. Insider in like uh, two ways. Uh, my family was involved in this uh, because my family had this uh, leftist history. So my father was uh, like uh, the president of the Progressive Writers Association uh, the wing of uh, Communist Party uh, regional president, he was a regional president, and then my mother and grandmother's family uh, their entire family was uh, like the activists in the leftist uh, movement so they went to jails, uh, they fought for uh, uh, this uh, Talang, during Telangana Rebellion Movement, which was another popular historical event, uh, which was well documented. But th- th- the Muslim dimension like, still remains undocumented. And then, but, uh, so there is some family connection. That is one reason why I am so connected to this uh entire event and then my family too they migrated to sev- several other places scattered basically so that the pain is always there in back of my mind and uh, I, I was always guided by this like this uh, insider's uh, viewpoint and the other thing is like uh, this was happening again it's like people returning to this in 1998 uh, and then when Hindu nationalism became a big uh, political matter, and then the Muslim question became complicated. And then the very identity of Muslims was being questioned. So that was another movement of insider's uh, world as related to this. Uh, and then I, I, I kind of are trying to compare these two different movements one movement coming from my own family history the other from my own personal engagement with the post 92 uh Hindu nationalist uh, period so together uh they kind of made my work uh I I just wanted to put that entire um like violence in a perspective and then uh, one thing uh that uh, made me realize so many aspects, like uh, it's a political dimension, it's a religious dimension. Most important for me is like uh, the study of this community, right? So as an ethnographer, that is what I did in my previous work. Uh, So I felt the need to address the concerns of the community. So what are the big questions that this community is now facing in the background of this police action, Hindu nationalism, and then the larger uh, Muslim question. So that trajectory still like uh, very dominant in this new work.
0: And so what are those issues? What are those questions, broad strokes? What it? What is, you know, what is this community currently sorting through
1: the big question uh, is like uh, how, how do we understand muslim who is this muslim and then how do we understand hindu muslim exchanges against this background so that question was there already like uh even in partition during the partition days uh, like uh it's like uh in literature and then other like history works you, we always discuss that, okay, this is not just about uh, partition, this is also about the Muslim being and belonging, right? So that is like one way is very uh, much related to one community. But in my study, as I did in my previous study, there is no way that you can separate this community from one another, like Hindus and Muslims, like they are like singular community. So they were sharing so much. They were their lives are like so connected to each other. So there is no way that we can study them like a, as a separate domain. So uh, that's what I did in my previous work. And then when I started studying this police action too, I realized that there is no way that you can separate them and then see the pain as like a separate thing. So, there is no such thing as Hindu pain, Muslim pain. So, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a pain of the entire community. So, there was a challenge to shared practices between Hindus and Muslims. So, it's kind of two-dimensional like a story, it's not just my concern. It is a a community's concern. Every time I spoke with the people, they were like articulating these different dimensions of this pain. So they were telling their own story. They were telling the story of community. They were talking about historical events. They were talking about the political matters that um, dominated the mainstream, um society so they were also talking about uh marginalization of this story so why the the common the everyone was asking me why even scholars don't talk about it so that that's a big question that's not my own concern that's a that question concern. the question came from the community came from the people came from ordinary people
0: you make a uh, 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 an interesting parallel and in passing, if I'm not mistaken, probably in your introductory, your, sorry, in your concluding chapter, regarding this current issue, this issue and uh, recent events of, for example, Black Lives Matter. Say a bit more about parallels or, or intersections.
1: Sections uh, between Hindus and Muslims and Muslims. Uh... Past and present, and the intersections between like uh, religious uh, aspects, particularly like uh, even even among Muslims, there is no singular Muslim category, right? Just like in Hinduism, Hindus, right? Not. So, so it's, uh, basically, the study is like concerned more about this chavrastha. That is the term. We should use Chaurush is crossroad, so crossroads of communities, crossroads of identities, crossroads of different scholarly approaches. Then, but the most important is cross the crossroad of ordinary people, where ordinary people come and then gather and then speak about their pain. So the, the so I see like. Everything is like, looks like a very parallel street, but when they join at the crossroad, you hear multiple voices. So there is a story that was evolving out of this pain. And then it was actually like saying something else rather than official (laughs) documentation that goes beyond statistics, uh, that goes beyond uh, like uh, media reports. So actually, the numbers, uh, number of numbers of killing, but officially Sundarlal Commission says it is twenty-seven thousand to forty thousand. But when I talk to the people, they always say, "No, no, it's not. That number is wrong. It should be more than that." So there is something happening that actually also questioned my own understanding of this event. Do you think that makes sense, Raj?
0: Well, certainly I can relate to your perspective. Uh, That's sort of my job (laughs) as a podcast host, but yes, I I understand what you're saying. Um, uh, What do you hope um, the sort of large takeaways of the work are? What what, what do you hope the work will accomplish in terms of impact? Um,
1: The most important thing is uh, I, I want to like see people uh, talking about this rather than ignoring it. So they need to we need to realize that they, we need to understand the past, our history, particularly the immediate history, which is very important to comprehend the dilemma right now so the dilemma might be hindus and muslims hindu muslim dilemma or the dilemma might be violent, uh, about might, uh, might be about the violence the dilemma might be about the very very basic question of like uh, being and belongingness so my entire uh, effort in writing this book and then putting together this kind of material is uh, to like uh, create an awareness about the immediate past of our community. So, you know, at this point, uh, this whole issue about the erasure of past, particularly Muslim past, uh, despite its um, powerful contribution to India, Indian history and culture, we are now at least uh, the dominant um, histor- historiography is busy erasing those aspects, right? So the you know you're following in the whole issue about Mughal Mughal's history, and then um, revisiting that history from a different lens. So there is some danger here in the making of history, in the in, re- in revisiting history are uh, talking about histories, it's it's also actually happening in popular imagination. Like even people like with not having any like knowledge of this history of medieval India, they started talking about uh, uh, the harmful, uh, the dangers uh, of Mughal Empire. And then uh, they all became suddenly villains in this history. right? So one big thing for me is like, okay, maybe we can see that as a different viewpoint, but at least let us work in our minds to facts and figures and then revisit those public uh, events, uh, public uh, histories, and then talk about all those things that happened, but they're still impacting us, right? We need to also understand like how that past is not just past it, it is also like defining your present right so we need to understand those connections between past and present along with understanding how community worked at that point how community like reshaping its own values and uh, life matters at this point
0: certainly a common lamentation among the thinking of right. the various fields this <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the, the uh the seeming ignorance of history on behalf of so many globally right. in this this sort of idea that <laughs> our present has emerged right. ex nihilo in a vacuum and, and right. yeah. certainly it, it's challenged many i think right um to trace the the history of 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 you know the processes that have form the world in which we're right. in whatever aspect of that we're studying regarding the title remaking history tell us about that is it about the ways in which this history was remade is it about the ways in which we need to remake this history tell us about the title
1: good question actually i've been waiting for this question for a long time. <laughs> Out of the publication of this book uh, uh, well, here you are here's your chance <laughs> <laughs> in, in social media, there was also a question about, oh, you can't remake history. That kind of questions were there. But
0: uh, uh, if only people understood that the key word in history <laughs> is story.
1: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> in social media, they were talking about, oh, history was history. History is history. There is no way that you can remake or reconstruct or rewrite or say anything about it. Uh, but the, my, idea, my idea is basically like, uh, so one, so Until now, I was talking about just one aspect of this history, right? But there is another dimension, Raj, here. Uh, The dimension is, yes, there was violence, there was trauma, people were suffering, there is an extreme level of suffering, pain. They couldn't come out of it. But at the same time, there was a reconstruction of community in Hyderabad, Deccan. So that is the most important aspect for me in this entire story. So I I was talking about this age group, 18 to 25, right? So that age group, that generation, they were exploring new possibilities. Like uh, in terms of education, social reforms, modernity, and uh, in terms of engaging with uh, global networks, of islam so that was all happening in the late 1940s in hyderabad deccan so i actually used a category here in the book uh naye uh, musliman new muslims so these new muslims they they were actually shattering the st- stereotypes of of the earlier muslim identity so this you have this like a huge misunderstanding that Muslims, like Muslim culture means Nawabi culture. It's not true. So you have this new generation Muslims challenging that idea of Nawabi and then engaging with ordinary aspects of life. So because they were fighting uh, with life on di- on a daily basis, they had no opportunities. And then they got to find some new economic uh, opportunities, new jobs, uh, new like educational resources. Most importantly, there was also an effort to um, go back to Urdu and then see Urdu as a paradigm of new modernity, so new identity. So there was a lot of effort there to revisit their own story, their own history, and then remake it, reconstruct it. So the story of this title has those two dimensions. One is actually, like, uh, on the on the one hand, I was talking about being a historian. I want to revisit the story that is there. I want to, like, uh, um, challenge uh, whatever material... Is available there. I want to use alternative archives, oral histories. That is one part of the story, and the other part is the story that is uh, related to the community itself. So they were actually remaking their life story, life histories. So the, the I want to emphasize that double, uh, like uh, double-edged strategy, narrative strategy.
0: That two-pronged approach. So for my final question, I'll just ask, what is next for you? What are you working on now or next?
1: Uh, Let me catch a breath here. (laughs) So I'm actually not sure. I actually, because my entire uh, mission uh, in my previous work and in, in this work too, to explore multiple dimensions of local Islam. So that was a concept I was using in my previous work, the Festival of Peers. So how this local Islam works. What are the components of local Islam? So is there a way that you can engage with this archives of local Islam? So that's the whole point of my, that's my research goal, not just as a scholar, but also as a person, as a writer, uh, and then I actually, this this book also, even though I'm talking more about history in this work, uh, unlike my previous work, uh, this is, I'm, I'm actually trying to understand these multiple uh, dimensions of local Muslims. So how, how could we understand local Muslim? So in the previous story, the festival of peers, that was about seventh century battle of Karbala, right? So that was still historical, <laughs> but I was talking more about uh, like uh, rituals and then religious narrative, devotional narratives, right? But this is still this is another aspect of history. This is nineteen forty eight, that immediate history, right? So, but I also want to understand like how these different times spaces impact local muslims how they kind of uh, uh, help us to understand uh local islamic uh, community right and then and their interactions with uh, uh like hindus christians so of course that shared uh religiosity that is still my curiosity so i'm just trying to like show and demonstrate these uh m- like different aspects of Muslim history.
0: Fascinating. Well, thank you very much for being on the podcast
1: today. Thank you so much, Raj. I hope uh, so. We have this uh, full, full conversation, and then I hope uh, your uh, podcast uh, audience would really enjoy this, and then come up with more questions in future. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Indeed. For those listening, we have been speaking with Dr. Afsar Mohammed of the University of Pennsylvania on a brand new uh, Cambridge University Press publication, uh, Remaking History. Until next time, keep well, keep listening, keep reading, and keep contemplating historical narratives and their veracity or lack thereof. Take care.